Chelsea Fairless and I'm Lauren Garoni and welcome to Every Outfit. How's it going? I have nothing to report. I don't really have anything to report either. Nothing's really going on in my personal life. Okay, so then should we just talk about the fact that Chris Noth accidentally posted his tax bill on Instagram on Friday? I mean, he didn't accidentally post it, right? He just accidentally posted a document that had his home address on it and didn't like bother to censor that information. I also think he didn't mean to post it in the first place. He deleted it. Did it not have a caption? Yeah, there was no caption. Oh, okay. That's fucked up. What was he trying to like DM it to his wife or something? I don't know, but maybe maybe this is a plot of uh, and just like that because really big is a boomer at this point. Yeah, he would have senior moments, you know. Uh, yeah, he would totally if he was indeed having an affair and, and just like that. And I have no idea if he is or if not, but he would accidentally send a photo of his mistress to Carrie on accident. Yeah, we chose not to repost this because um, we didn't want to encourage people to stalk. Chris Noth, but now that we have his home address, like, what are we doing with it? Should we send him some merch? Does he want a Jador Dykes tea? (laughs) Uh, You know, Chris, when you get back to uh, Los Angeles, there's going to be a surprise waiting for you on your front door. (laughs) (laughs) Also this week on Sex of the City Instagram, Miss Cynthia Nixon, Miranda herself, posted about our book Uh, that we wrote two years ago. Yeah, we did send her copies of the book when our book came out, which, yeah, was two years ago in October. we never heard anything back, although we did see her since then, but we didn't ask her, like, what did you think of this book that we made with, like, a hundred illustrations of you in it? It just seemed, like, a little creepy, you know? And so we also didn't ask because we just assumed, like, oh, she probably didn't like it. Or, like, doesn't really care, which also, fair enough. Uh, But then we received a direct message from her about a month ago that said, hey, I've been handing out your book to the cast and crew on set, and I realized, (laughs) should I just buy it from you guys directly? Yeah, instead of supporting Amazon, which, what a legend, honestly. I like to think she probably was buying it from independent bookstores, but... Yeah, also, that's, like, such a power move to hand out, like, the book about you to your colleagues on set. Oh, uh, hi, hi, Mario Cantone. Here's my book, We Should All Be Mirandas. I don't see a book called We Should All Be Anthony's. Yeah, I don't see a book called We Should All Be Bitsy Von Mufflings. <laughs> but we didn't expect her to post the book, which she did. And we found out because our book editor was like, congratulations, we did it. It was a real we did it Joe We moment. did it Joe. <laughs> Well, also it was cute because um, her mic pack was in the photo, which said Miranda. So, I mean. You mean Moanda? Moanda. It said Moanda. What else? I've just been watching a bunch of TV. Yeah. Did you watch Impeachment? Of course I did. <laughs> and I have one thing to say to you, Chelsea. No, you stay here because I want, to see, <laughs> I want that bitch to see what she did to me. Okay, like this this was very much Sarah Paulson's episode, but Beanie Feldstein gave me shivers with that delivery. Yes, which I had a little hint that that was going to happen because I listened to the Slow Burn podcast series that features that. Oh, is that like on the record? That's a real moment. Wow. 
uh, love Monica Lewinsky for that. But I mean, wasn't Sarah Paulson like beyond major? I didn't see Sarah Paulson. <laughs> I only saw Linda Tripp. <laughs> like, who is this character actor that I've never seen before? I think before the show came out, Sarah Paulson was definitely giving a lot of shit for taking a, a role away from an actor that physically resembles Linda Tripp a little bit more. But after seeing it, her performance is so stunning. I think that's kind of like the end of this discussion. I don't think people will care. Do you know how the internet works? Of course, this won't be the last of this discussion. I, I think people are going to care about it less and less. And I think that come award season, she's going to clean up. Also, it's not even just like the physical transformation. It's like the essence of Linda Tripp. Well, my cultural memory of Linda Tripp, because I was an adolescent when this happened, is just John Goodman's portrayal of I mean, Linda same, Tripp. same. <laughs> Sarah Paulson's performance is almost as good as John Goodman as, as Linda Tripp. God. But it's kind of perfect that they're telling this story now because I feel like Linda Tripp is the ultimate opportunist and the ultimate narc. And like narc culture is such a thing right now. Like I feel like the internet is just full of Linda Tripps, you know? That's true. So you're saying that she was a, a trendsetter. Yeah, she was ahead of her time. I've also been watching the hype. I finished the hype. Oh, good. Because I couldn't make it through. I'm just, I'm not, my genre of reality TV, it just isn't reality competition yeah and especially I think I've OD'd having gone to Parsons from Project Runway so fashion competition shows well did you get to episode two at least yeah let's be honest here's what we really want to talk about (laughs) for those who don't know the hype is a competition series set in the colliding worlds of streetwear business and culture and literally set in the old American apparel (laughs) Building in downtown LA. I was going to say, colliding, can you really say that after the private equity firm, the Carlyle Group, bought into Supreme for a billion dollars? Yeah. They're acting as if, like, this thing called streetwear. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it'll happen. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) It's true. And, yeah, I mean, the judges are offset, who needs no introduction. Marnie Cenefonte, who is Beyonce's stylist or off and on stylist. I don't know. I think she's back on right now. I think she did that Tiffany campaign. And the other chick is Beth Gibbs, who owns Union, the iconic streetwear store in Los Angeles. Although she didn't actually start Union. And I feel like it was kind of deceptive the way they introduced her. Sorry, you're saying judges. I'm a little confused. Do you mean (laughs) co-signers? Oh yeah, you're right. Yes, they're not called judges, they're called co-signers, and you don't win a competition, you want to be co-signed by the judges. Yeah, you do. I feel like this is what happens when a white guy in drop crotch pants and like a thrasher t-shirt goes into studios to pitch a reality show. I mean, it's a good idea. This is where fashion is at right now. But I think the problem about a show like this is that sort of all the contestants like inherently have unsuccessful streetwear lines or are kind of like unsuccessful streetwear designers. Yeah, they're kind of telling on on themselves. So anyway, in the second episode, which You know, if this isn't your thing like mine, just watch the first episode and the second episode because there is a competition in the second episode that is ostensibly about West Coast street subculture, which they define as... I don't even remember what the theme was. Yeah, which they define as just kind of 
more like LBC, Long Beach County, like low rider culture, of which there's a lot of other subcultures in, in Los Angeles, but whatever. Anyway, there is one designer, the one white female designer named Caroline, whose whole thing is bandanas, which if you know that going in, you go, oh, please don't do what I think she's going to do. And guess what? <laughs> she makes a jacket out of a red bandana. Well, several red bandanas. <laughs> There's a lot of tiptoeing in this show, to your point, because they don't directly be like, hey, white lady, do you think, I know your thing's bandanas, but you get that in Los Angeles, that stands for, for the bloods, right? They, yes. don't ever, they don't ever say the bloods. They're just like, you know, like in the streets, what that means. And she's like, I've done the research. Spoiler alert, she has not done the research. <laughs> she has not done her and research. And at the end of the episode, the co-signers, because she keeps saying that to them. And they're like, okay, but... Do you know it or did you just Google it before coming here? I mean, I wish I had her level of confidence you know, without the just like blatant disregard for reality. People talk about how white women are the worst. I never believe them until I watch this. <laughs> yeah, I this do- is really, yeah, she's really a perfect representative of our species. We're indefensible. <laughs> yeah, it's a little corny, but I still enjoyed watching this show. Like, I'm, I'm not necessarily coming to it for the fashion, but I found it to be very watchable. Anyway, um, if you enjoy shows that are made up of vibes, bucket hats, and cosigns, this is the reality <laughs> show for you. On our favorite network, HBO Max, that's still not sponsoring our podcast or our Instagram account, quite tragically. We've given them no reason to. <laughs> We're giving HBO Max wife privileges on a girlfriend budget. (laughs) I mean, on like a side chick budget. (laughs) What else do we have to talk about this week? Oh, you you have an update about the SAG elections? All right, yes. I do have an update on a story we previously talked about. There's a new SAG president, y'all. It's the nanny. (laughs) Now... Again, neither Chelsea or I are in the Screen Actors Guild and probably will never be, but we live for- Well, we definitely will never be. I mean, the Writers Guild, maybe. SAG, absolutely not. Right, but we live for the drama, and this election cycle was very juicy. So to recap, Matthew Modine was running for SAG president along with Jolie Fisher. Their platform was healthcare, I think. And on the other side, you had Fran Drescher and Anthony Rapp. So during the election, we learned that Fran Drescher is a 5G conspiracy theorist, and Modine threatened to sue Drescher for defamation. And then last week, in a truly shocking turn of events, Fran Drescher won the SAG president role, but her running mate lost, and Modine's running mate is now going to be serving alongside her, which I didn't even know was possible. That would be... Like if Biden won and then Pence won the vice presidentship and they had to run the country together. I'll do one better. That would be like if Obama won, but Sarah Palin also won and they had to run the country together. That, I mean, that has HBO prestige television written all over it. Wait, I actually thought of what the Ryan Murphy franchise this would be. It would be Feud. (laughs) Oh, totally. Season two of Feud, Jolie Fisher versus Fran Drescher. Yeah, has there been a feud since Bed and Joan? No. On a completely unrelated note, I just wanted to apologize to our listeners because on the last episode of the podcast, I made a grave error. I mixed up my fashion billionaires. I got Bernard Arnault confused with Francois-Henri Pinot. 
And I just want to say that we do our best. We're not journalists in a traditional sense. We don't have a producer. Sometimes we get things wrong and that's on us. But this mishap did inspire a segment idea, which is called, you say Arno, I say Pino. So Lauren, are you ready? What if I said no? (laughs) Would you make me play this game? Yeah, I'm making you play this game anyway. So I'm going to state a fact and you're going to tell me if it's about- I don't (laughs) consent. You're going to tell me if it's about Arno or Pino. I'm going to start with something easy. Okay. Married to Salma Hayek. Uh, That would be Pino. Correct. Owns Lueve. Pino? No, it's Arno. Fuck. Owns Sephora. Arno. Correct. Owns a contemporary art museum. Trick question. They both do? Yeah, they do. (laughs) They both do. (laughs) Dated Linda Evangelista. I mean, it's possible both, but it was Pino. We don't know. Correct. It was was Pino. Owns Bottega Veneta. Pino. Yes. Okay. You're very good at this. Thank you. (laughs) Because... In researching both of these guys, and by researching, I mean just like scanning their Wikipedia entries, I'm now more than ever convinced that they're the same person. Go on. Okay. Own Stella McCartney. Pino would have inherited it from Tom Ford, but did LVMH buy a stake in Stella McCartney? What's your final answer? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Technically Arno now? No, it's Pino. <laughs> I thought she got her brand back. And lastly, briefly surpassed Jeff Bezos to become the richest person in the world. Arno. Wow, you you really do know your fashion billionaires. Because guess what? Arno's got a bunch of sons, and I think one of them's still unmarried. (laughs) In other fashion news, did you see the Bottega Veneta show? No. You can see it on Vogue Runway. I'm interested to see how far they're going to take this rubber boot concept, because it just keeps getting taller and taller every single season. It's going to stop when we're all wearing gimp suits, I think. (laughs) I think you're correct. And Fashion Week is happening right now. As always, it's a mixed bag. But I really liked the Willie Chavaria show, and not just because our very good friend Jess Cuevos is on their creative team. And modeled in the show. Yeah, he looked so good. He had a real Linda Evangelista moment. It was a moment. I mean, the casting of this show was fabulous. The silhouettes and the proportions were really major. I mean, he's riffing on Chicano fashion and a host of subcultural styles that fall under that umbrella, which isn't that unusual in the streetwear space, obviously. But unlike a lot of those designers, he's actually Latino. And he's exaggerating and elevating those styles into the realm of high fashion not just like putting gothic lettering on a hoodie or something do you think that he could be a judge on next season's the hype <laughs> i mean they should be so lucky yeah i haven't really looked at the collections that have been going on but i just briefly saw a thumbnail for three as four and i just i have to say like good for them like <laughs> there's one, that there's still they again still imitation of christ is still there i just i'm still confused as to what year i'm living in yeah, there's not a lot of fashion stuff to talk about, but we do have a fashion segment coming up, so everyone relax, but I would be remiss if yeah, I Yeah, I'm sure they're just hysterical. <laughs> in their Ubers, in their cars, <laughs> at Whole Foods on a Saturday, being like, God damn it. <laughs> um, but I would be remiss if I did not mention Saturday marks the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. While we will never forget that day, we wanted to get into some of the pop culture moments that were forgotten. That was not your transition. <laughs> now, look. I, is this... A, <laughs> okay, uh, look. Me. 
is this in poor taste? Well, it's not great, but look. It's not a great taste, but I mean, we're not trying to make light of September 11th. Obviously, it was a terrible fucking tragedy, but this is just how we process terrible tragedies. Yeah, no, diving into the ruins of pop culture is the only way we know how to deal with trauma. So uh, it's what what we're going to do. So where shall we start, Chelsea? So you can't stop us anyway. We're just going do? to do it. What are you going to do? Unsubscribe and turn off the podcast? Please don't. Please, please don't. <laughs> what was happening in music? Well, I mean, five days before the 2001 VMAs happened with the infamous Britney Spears I'm a Slave for You performance with the uh, snake from Doc Antle, who we all discovered at the beginning of the pandemic. That was such an important moment for boa constrictor visibility. <laughs> I can't believe that was right before September 11th, though. I know. I was looking at a clip because NSYNC won Best Pop Video and Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears are still together. Wow. It really was a different time. When I saw it on the dock that this is when the Britney performance was, I was like, oh, who else performed? And I saw that Missy Elliott performed, which I completely forgot about this performance. And then I looked it up and was really horrified that she didn't perform just the normal radio version of Get Your Freak On. She performed the Nelly Furtado remix, which is... It's deranged. (laughs) And then now because we're all so savvy with digital music but Tuesdays was the day that music used to drop and two very pop culturally significant albums actually dropped on September 11th Jay-Z's The Blueprint okay major still major yeah uh and then Mariah Carey's soundtrack to the film Glitter I mean, that's just tragic in its own way. Although, I don't know. I saw Glitter. I haven't seen it in years. But I remember thinking, like, it's not that bad. Like, is it that much worse than, like, a, I don't know, a Coyote Ugly or something? Like, it's certainly no, like, the bodyguard. And I don't think it was going for that. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where, you know, they say that the cover-up is worse than the crime. I think it's the fact that Mariah Carey blames September 11th exclusively <laughs> for why Glitter didn't do well. That people remember that yeah. more than the film <laughs> being just a Gili or an Ishtar or something. Yeah, that's so true. There are certain pop culture moments that I have tied to September 11th, and one of which, and I don't know why I have never been able to get this out of my head, but immediately in the aftermath, Clear Channel, which owns a ton of radio stations, like within an hour, sent out a list of songs that should no longer be played on the radio because it would be insensitive to the attack. Oh, yeah. I remember this, too. Okay. The two songs I, and it was like a list of 500 songs. The two songs I always remember are uh, the 80s band Fishbone, who had a song called Party at Ground Zero. For sure, that should have been taken off the radio. Although, was anyone really playing that song on the radio anyway? Come on. And Van Halen's Jump. You know what I remember them banning is Disco Inferno. Who had to come up with that list? The list is fucked. You put it in the dock, and I was going through it. And what strikes me is the songs that aren't about death, destruction, and violence. Like, Obla Dee Obla Da by the Beatles is on this list. There's a ton of Beatles songs. I want the biopic about the guys in the room, the guys and girls in the room that made this list list together. (laughs) To be fair, like Obla Dee Obla Da should be banned anyway. (laughs) Like it should be banned from the White Album. Um, If you can believe it, movies actually did come out that Friday. They didn't do (laughs) particularly well, but 
There is an interesting... Well, they weren't particularly good movies, so that might have been part of it. That's true. The The baseball after-school special meets Bad News Bears film Hardball with Keanu Reeves came out. Right. And another film called The Glass House. And both of them co-starred Diane Lane, so rough take for her. Yeah, I did see The Glass House, but I don't remember anything about it. Did you remember that Diane Lane was in it? All I remembered is Lily Sobieski and vaguely what the glass house itself looked like, which wasn't even that chic. It wasn't like a chic glass house, you know? Anyway. My memory of the film Zoolander is also tied to 9-11 because that's a film yes. that I found, you know, in Blockbuster years later. And the rap I had always heard is that the film initially did not do well because it came out two weeks or three weeks after 9-11 happened and no one wanted to laugh. Well, I definitely saw Zoolander on opening day. I was <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I mean, I live in California. It's not like I live in lower Manhattan and I'm seeing Zoolander on opening day. It was one of the few films of, at the time about the fashion industry, I suppose. Yeah, but I think the fucked up thing about Zoolander was that they had to decide, and by they, I mean director and star Ben Stiller had to decide whether or not to edit out the World Trade Center from the skyline, and he opted to edit it out, which that's a real, like, you're fucked if you do, you're fucked if you don't sort of decision. And then in the, I read that in the 2016 Blu-ray edition, they put them back. Really? I would again be remiss if we did not mention the sex in the city of it all, because I know people are going to slide into our DMs. The episode, I Love New York from the fourth season, people say that it's, oh, it's their kind of 9-11 episode, but they shot that way before September 11th ever happened. It just happened to end with a snow globe with the twin towers inside it as the last shot. I mean, it is pretty fucking eerie. Fashion Week was going on that week, and they canceled it. It was the spring-summer 2002. New York Fashion Week was underway on September 11th. The maternity designer Liz Lang was mounting her first fashion show, which was the 53rd. (laughs) How exciting. Which was the 53rd event of uh, the year, and I found this article on the decade anniversary where she talks about that day, and she said that it was so hotly anticipated that Good Morning America and the Today Show were battling to cover her fashion show live. I have a hard time I have a hard time yeah. believing that. But, That's fake news. Yes, but she said that 10 minutes into her show, she watched as basically every member of the press just started to leave her fashion show, and she was like, did I do something? What happened? <laughs> They're offended by my mediocre maternity fashions (laughs) so they canceled fashion week but a small group of designers like ralph lauren michael kors oscar de la renta calvin klein and donna karen decided to show in smaller presentations in their showrooms for buyers i mean it's kind of crazy and by the way we looked at the timestamps. we're talking about five days later calvin klein mounted a fashion like an actual show and i was reading the vogue.com then known as style.com review of the show and they said um demonstrating new yorkers eagerness to get back to business as usual on the 16th uh, klein staged a small showroom presentation just a few days after fashion week had to be canceled well i was <laughs> reading an article from the time where they were talking about like well maybe we push new york fashion week into october and i think it was michael kors or someone who was discussing like it'll be too late buyers will already have made their purchases for their stores by october guys before it was all about inviting celebrities and influencers yeah. to fashion shows the reason that designers had fashion shows is because they invited editors and buyers who were literally buying pieces from the collection to put into stores that following spring yeah 
Anyway, we hope this was, I don't know, a lovely <laughs> In- trip down memory lane. I, I don't <laughs> know how a heroin trip, A heroin trip down memory lane. So since we don't have that much fashion news this week and the 9-11 segment was getting depressing, I thought that this would be the perfect time to bring on a celebrity stylist to give us some fashion tips for the fall season. Unfortunately, La Roach was unable to make it, (laughs) Uh, but we have someone even better. She is an impossibly gorgeous gender non-conforming legend. She's gotten more mentions on this podcast than Kris Jenner. She is a fabulous stylist who is currently working with Katy Perry and has a host of other exciting projects in the works. She is my wife, the one, the only, Miss Tatiana Tat Waterford. What an intro. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, babe. I can't believe we got you on the pod. I mean, This was a really big get for us. I had to really put this in the schedule and figure out timing (laughs) because this wasn't on the top of my list. No, I'm joking. Every week, I'm like, why aren't I on this yet? (laughs) Rude. I know. And you also very diligently just listen to us for a half an hour, just talk our bullshit, which I imagine is not that different from our everyday when we're not officially recording a podcast. Yeah, except this is good because a lot of the conversations that Lauren and I have outside of this podcast, Tat is also involved in, and she often has a dissenting opinion from us that I feel like the listeners would appreciate. Do I? I think you do. You're on your own wavelength. (laughs) So this question I actually know the answer to, but I have to ask for the benefit of our listeners. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag (laughs) drifting through the wind wanting to start again? All the time. (laughs) Every day I think about that. Um, (laughs) No, but actually, what's it like working with Katie? Is she normal? Is she not normal? Yeah, of course she's normal. She's the best. Honestly, dream client. I love her. I'm obsessed with her. We get along really well. It's heaven, truly. And I'm not just saying that, but... Well, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. No, no it's sure. true. I've, from you, what, you from, bitch, you know. I know. I know. I know. From, from what I've heard, she, she sounds like a legend. She is a legend. So what's your favorite look that you've done for her so far? Hmm. Probably. I mean, it was always the inauguration. That was like the biggest job I've done with her for sure. And my favorite and custom Tom Brown. But most recently, we just went to Italy and she performed and attended the Luisa Roma event in Capri. And she wore vintage Pierre Cardin and looked incredible. So that's probably my favorite, right? Isn't that your favorite? It's my favorite. I'll put it in the show notes so you guys can yeah, see it. It's a really, really beautiful. incredible. Yeah, really beautiful Very gown. chic. It was from Shrimp and Couture. Um, Lauren, do you want, you have the next question? You know, Tat, I just <laughs> wanted to ask This is you. so weird. Why are you guys <laughs> asking me questions you already know the answers to? Well, we don't really have that many questions like this. That okay, great. Yeah, th- this will be the last of it. But well, um, I don't even know the answer to this. Yeah. Tat, you spend your days looking at clothes. <laughs> okay, don't do it in this voice. Like, you can, you can word it however you want. No, I mean, you're a stylist. Tell us what's going on for fall. What should I be wearing? I love that you once... <laughs> You know, this tab once described my style. She was like, you know, your your style is romantic business thought. I mean, I stand by that. It is. It is true. Well, it's also dependent on your mood. Some days you're in like an Armani suit and others you're in like very glowy, white, long, nighty looking dress. And I love it. I guess then my question is, what should this romantic business thought be wearing for fall? Well, I mean, Chelsea came up with the best fall trend this morning as she was getting dressed, looking in the mirror. Always, she, she looked at herself in the mirror and said... My full trend is being a fat, ugly bitch. (laughs) 
I meant that in a positive, like, I love myself way. <laughs> did, did you? I mean, and then you said that you had to throw out everything in your closet. <sighs> yeah. And storm off. <laughs> not the gifted stuff. Yes, not our not our beautiful Mark Jacobs heaven pieces. That uh, I'm decked out in right yeah, now. Yeah, thank you. Shout to out Mar- to Ava. Yeah, shout out to Ava and Mark Jacobs for that. I didn't get the heaven. <laughs> <Mark> Jacobs <laughs> Rough. All right, enough bullshit, Tad. It's why we brought you on the pod. What? What should the listeners be wearing for fall? Oh, God. I mean, honestly, I think the only person who's dressing good right now is Channing Tatum. But, like, only now. Like, I think everyone should just look like that, and the world would be a much more peaceful place. Uh, Okay, I find this quite interesting because I love male actors that are kind of like empty vases who date really interesting other actresses and then kind of adopt their style so that they can be appreciated by them. Because suddenly Channing Tatum is like every skater from Orange County in 2005. Yeah. I mean, when you're dating Zoe Kravitz, you really got to step things up, don't you? Yeah, you you do. You got to step up to the streets. Just like... (laughs) But wasn't Channing Tatum in that step movie? Step up, yeah. Step up, See? yeah. Come on. Oh, good one. Call yeah, back. Yeah, call back, babe. <laughs> okay, what about more granular things? Like, if you're buying jeans, like, what's the vibe? Like, we're not doing skinny jeans. Are we, we doing baggy jeans? Like, well, is it there depends a break? on the person. I wouldn't put you in a skinny jean or an overly baggy jean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it's always just a vintage Levi. That always just looks the best. You see someone, you're like, oh, shit, I love your pants. Or what are they? It's like it's always a vintage Levi every time. Okay. All right. Maybe you have to get them tailored. That's the key. That's that's, that's the stylist find, tip. Find, that's a hot stylist tip right now is just get a tailor because your clothes aren't going to look good without it. So do you have any fashion tips for lesbians? Because you're a very well-dressed <laughs> lesbian. And as we know, a lot of lesbians can't dress for shit. Yeah, I remember Ooh, when I was younger. Lesbian I, slander. <laughs> yeah, I know you're gonna get canceled I, for that I, one. I, as an ally, feel like I need to speak. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you need I'm to, banning you need to this speak ally for the the uh, terribly dressed lesbians that aren't present today. Hashtag not all lesbians dress bad. <laughs> yeah, except you're not allowed to talk shit about how lesbians dress because that would be homophobic. <laughs> Wait, am I being an ally or am I being homophobic? I don't know. I don't know. Both at the same s- time. Just gonna sit in the corner. Uh, <laughs> lesbians. I mean, when I first came out, I remember like taking a look around at lesbians and just being like, "Fuck, I have to date one." It's <laughs> 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 so rude. <laughs> and then I found you, and all was well in the world. I don't know. Let's lose the basketball shorts. <sighs> Unless you're Channing Tatum. Yeah, he can wear anything. Honestly, I mean, I'm not a lesbian when I see him. <laughs> Um, she's also not a lesbian when she sees the Justin Bieber Balenciaga billboard oh, that we on the passed Adas on yeah. Sunset. Yeah. Oh my god! I literally looked at Chell and I was like, "I'm the biggest lesbian, but I would do some bad things to that man." Yeah, I don't doubt Oof. it. Anyway, I don't know menswear, but again, menswear doesn't fit women's bodies properly all the time. So Taylor, get things tailored. Get things tailored. Get them to fit. If you wear a men's suit, chances are the shoulders are going to be too big. You look like you're wearing a dad's suit. So sort that shit out. Right. And you can't really wear women's suits because... I mean, sometimes. It just depends. Remember when we were in that store in Palm Springs? Trina Turk. (laughs) (laughs) You'll bleep out. Do you say store? I mean, I don't give a fuck. No, who cares? I'm never pulling from Trina Turk. Yeah, no one gives Uh, a shit. uh, (laughs) No, but there was like... We had to go to a wedding in New York and the theme was like spring florals or something. So we had to wear like bright colors, whatever. We went in there. We were like on vacation. We went in and... I saw this pink suit in the men's section. I was like, sick, can I try this on? And the woman was this like old Palm Springs lady. And she was like, oh, but we have it in women's. And I was like, 
no, that's cool. I'll just try the men's one. She literally brought the women's one out for me to try. And I'm like, that's a cropped jacket with seams in the back to pinch in your waist. I'm like, I want the men's one. She just like couldn't wrap her head around it. I put it on. She's like, I'll just bring the women's one for you. Uh, So how many times have you been misgendered on Rodeo Drive this week? (laughs) I mean, probably once this week. your car is parked at the red (laughs) zone. I'm just fucking going into Gucci. Is that how I speak? Uh, No, that was actually- I love love Lauren's impression of Tat. That was actually outside the Bottega Veneta store where I pulled up and there was a woman standing there trying to hold the spot, standing on the street. And I was like, you can't do that. I'm in a car. I'm going to run you over. Move. She was like, my boyfriend's coming. We want this spot. I was like, it doesn't work that way. So I just pulled in. And then the security guard at Bottega- did you run her over? No, I just- drove so she moved the security guard at Bottega called out like excuse me sir she was holding that spot and I was just like so angry it was like after a long day so I just rolled down my window and I was like I'm not a sir I'm a lady (laughs) you're such a lady and then I jumped that's how I identify I'm a lady (laughs) then I jumped out of the car and I'm wearing like big baggy jeans and like a (laughs) tank top I'm like I am not a lady well now that we finally have you on the pod I must ask what is it like being married to Chell? Be honest, does, does the vocal fry? Uh, I, was, I was literally just going to be like, I mean, if it's not for like the voice when she's really thinking about something. <laughs> no, I love it. See what I have to deal with? I'm being bullied. I, it's, I love that you have a full Valley Girl accent. You're not even from here. No, I'm not. There's no excuse. She's the best. She's changed my life. Love her. We all love her. Yeah, we love. We Chell. do you have multiple personalities now? Or wait, I'm sorry, dissociative identity disorder. No, I'm speaking for the pod listeners. Yeah, we're, yeah. and for and, also, our, and for our throuple. Yeah, our platonic throuple. Well, yeah. what? Two of you are not platonic. Oh, I was like, I'm do you want to fuck or what? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, speaking of vocal fry, I received a text from Chell on Sunday that just said. I have reached the darkest depths of masochism. And I said, go on. And she was like, I'm watching something called Motel Makeover on Netflix. Oh <laughs> my God. Wow. It's, yeah. yeah, we wanted to talk about this at the top of the show. And then Tat was like, I, 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 I got a way in. <laughs> um, Let's just get some rosé. Okay, so it's a show about these two besties who renovate decrepit mid-century hotels and turn them into Instagram hotels, basically. It really is girl bossing run amok because they're like, don't you see? This was a hotel that used, or this is a motel that they used to charge $90 for a room and now we charge $500. (laughs) It's actually insane. I mean, they charge $500 for these rooms. Well, they charge like an average room is $420 which is like highway Thanks. robbery. Have you ever heard of the Sunset Tower? Yeah, exactly. Like who are these people that have $420 to spend on a hotel room that are choosing to stay at this establishment? Yeah, Chell goes, this is my worst nightmare of how people could perceive us. And I was like, what is she talking well, about? Well, the like- first episode we watched, she literally nearly started crying. I'm like, what is wrong? She was like, this is what people think of me. I was like, Chelsea, <laughs> no one thinks of you like this. Well, I think that sometimes if you have a really strong reaction action to something you have to like interrogate what in me is so triggered by this and yeah I think it was a combination of a fear that like when we hop on zoom meetings with random people on the other side like that's what people see and hear (laughs) 
I was like, what is she talking about? And then there's a scene where it's like, we're business partners, we're best friends, and we're moteliers. And I was like, oh, God. If they say motelier or retro one more time. I don't know if this makes me a bad person, but I watched that show with so much hate in my heart. I think part of the reason why I was so triggered by it, yet couldn't stop watching it, is because they're kind of living my dream, which is renovating a mid-century motel and turning it into a boutique hotel. But they literally take away all the cool mid-century century parts no that well that's the it's like these incredible 70s wooden slats on the walls and they're like let's paint them white yeah like they paint over these like incredible like rock walls like they they take everything they just like strip it so like dark but like let's (laughs) keep it retro so let's paint it completely white or coral (laughs) yeah their decorated philosophy is like painting everything white rose neon sign terrazzo they love (laughs) terrazzo they love terrazzo Anyway, Chell and I, we're business partners, we're best friends, and we are building a sarcasm empire. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. But that said, it's like, I watched this entire show. Yeah, and I'm sad that this. I'm not sad season it's two. over. I can't wait for season two. Same, honestly, sign so me up. So it's like, at a certain point, it's like, yeah, I'm hate watching this, but like, I also stand. And it, you know what? It's like the one thing to watch on Netflix, so watch it. Sadly, it was referred to me after I watched the Caitlyn Jenner documentary. Or it wasn't really a documentary. It was more just like a one-hour special about her history with the Olympics and stuff. Governor propaganda? There wasn't any of that. It made me, like, respect her for a brief moment, like, when I yeah, let I everything... F- after, I was like, Caitlyn Jenner's truly a legend. Well, and she would like, be yes, a ledge yes. if not for all this other stuff. I mean, even though I don't care about sports, you have to kind of respect the athleticism of it. Yeah, she just hated that one Russian man. And But did I tell you I got, a, um, I got like, a campaign email from her, and she was <laughs> like, I've fought the Russians before. And it's like, okay, competing against a Russian man in a decathlon is not like fighting Russia. Um, Okay, so I thought we'd transition into some Kardashian stuff. Do you want to stick around? Sure, I'm here. Kardashaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. So since Lord and I are old and you are our resident youth correspondent, can you explain to me the Drake and Kanye beef? Because I can't be bothered to figure it out. Like, what's the Reader's Digest version? Sure, it's long and complicated, but it started like 10 years ago. Basically, Kanye had his skims in a twist (laughs) because uh, Drake did an interview where he was like, before I met Kanye, he I like had the most respect for him. So basically, like once I met him, there was no more respect. Right. Um, I don't know. He was seen out with Amber Rose, like right after they broke up. I think the real beef is between. So he ever, but he never like dated Amber Rose. I he mean, just, not like, publicly. Who right. knows? Um, but I think he might have carnal knowledge of her, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real beef is actually between like Pusha T and Drake, and Pusha okay. and Kanye are close. So Drake kind of dragged Kanye into it with a bunch of diss songs from Pusha and Drake, and it was back and forth. I mean, Pusha called Drake a deadbeat dad and basically revealed to the world that Drake had a kid. Right. Which everyone- A delightful looking child. Yeah, which I don't think anyone cared about his quote unquote illegitimate child because it was so cute. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But I think everyone blamed Kanye for like filling that tea to Pusha. Right. Because Drake and Kanye were close. I don't know. These are some gossipy bitches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, truly. So it's just like the Real Housewives, basically. Basically. Real Ooh. Housewives of Calabasas. I could get into this then. 
Um, yeah, you could. I, I they just like released a bunch of diss tracks towards each other, really, and then. Like, what's, what are some of the disses? Drake said something like, I don't use ghostwriters. Like, I actually have ghostwritten for Kanye. That's kind of how Kanye got drawn in. Okay, okay. I mean, he also said something like, don't wear those 350s around me. Like, reference to Yeezy 350s. Of course. You know? uh, yeah, I, that's what I think of when I hear a 350. <laughs> 350. Wait, yeah. you don't know that? Oh, I don't. I know what they. I know them by sight, but I don't necessarily know like the names of every single Yeezy shoe. No, Adidas, Yeezy three fifty. <laughs> oh, that's in this right. country we say Adidas, well, and we are wrong, but yeah. we keep saying it. <laughs> My knowledge of this beef is that for some reason Drake maybe had sex with Kim. He said something like, I don't know, I took a right out of my house and then like people went crazy and like mapped his house. And if you take a right and then like pass a stop sign, you get to Kim's house. So who knows? Maybe that's crazy people trying to figure some shit out. Or maybe he was really referencing that. What's that lyric he has about Kris Jenner? See Kris Jenner beep twice and I wave. <laughs> what a wonderful neighbor. Very cordial. Right? Yeah. yeah. So they live like, they. Drake lives in Calabasas. I mean, I have no idea. I think Drake lives in Toronto, no? Well, actually, sorry not to be Miss uh, Emma less here but i believe madonna bought drake's hidden hills of house. course you know this <laughs> um i don't know you're like i can't name one drake song but <laughs> but his address is um she did buy his house for 26 million Go oh on. my god um i don't know kanye was like stop threatening me you know you're trying to there wouldn't be a what drake do you mean, like on a song he was stop he, he threatening said that drake called him and threatened him okay and then kim got involved and also was like don't threaten us and there would be no drake without kanye I'm almost a lawyer. Yeah. And go off, Kim. <laughs> I'll, I'll sue you. <laughs> no Skims PR packages for you. I mean business. Um, All right, why is this getting brought up now? Why has this come back to the surface? Okay, because Drake just did a song with Trippy Red. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't personally care, but the song's fine. I don't know, when he said something about Kanye, he was like, yeah, ain't changing shit for me. It's set in stone. Kanye needs to let this shit go, whatever. So he brought it up again. It seems like Drake's really the one that's starting all of this, to be honest. Yeah. And then that's when Kanye posted a screenshot of a group chat with Drake where Kanye says, I live for this. I've been fucked by nerds like you my whole life. You will never recover. I promise you. Kanye's a nerd. What is he talking Drake's about? A, Drake's a bigger nerd, no, though. No, absolutely not. Have you seen Drake's performance on Degrassi, The Next Generation? Because that has nerd shit written all Have you seen Kanye wearing a Trump hat? <laughs> yeah, but that's not, that's different. Actually, you're right. Drake is a nerd. Kanye's a troll. That's the difference. Or Kanye's, I'll use a Barack Obama's descriptor, which was jackass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He is. So whose team should we be on? Because I'm feeling like team no one here. I mean, I'm ride or die team Drake. Drake's really love of my life. I Excuse oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> I think his music's better. Yeah, see, I disagree. I'm more into Kanye. I don't really care about Drake that much. Charlie, you should do your Drake impression for everyone. You need to get... I don't... There's no Drake impression. Like, all of his songs sound the same to me, which I understand is, like, a rude thing to say. And, like, I don't even really stand by it. But, like, (laughs) I still believe it. To me, when I hear it, you know, it all runs together. Yeah, I mean, but then Kanye posted Drake's home address on Instagram. So that is He really did a low blow with that one. The house Madonna bought? No, not that one. The one in Toronto. I was going to say, they all live in a gated community in California. How dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) He Chris Nothed himself. He did. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's it, really. That's my knowledge. All right. But, yeah. Thanks, thanks for letting us know. 
Thanks, you, youth correspondent. You got it anytime, girls. So in other Kardashian news, Corey Gamble is pregnant. <laughs> what? He pulled a little Nas X. No. Kylie actually announced that she was pregnant with baby number two with a produced video that I am so shocked was not sponsored by Clear Blue Pregnancy Test. But she did kind of cover up the logo with a fingernail. I know. That? She was like, Chris taught her well. She's like... No, no money, money. yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. No sponsorship. I was actually doing personal shopping for someone, and I was in the Saint Laurent store when that video came out, and I was sitting waiting for some sizes, and I watched it and fully teared up in Saint Laurent, <laughs> and I was like, I cannot be doing this right now. <laughs> I I won't lie, I did tear up when she showed Chris, and, and Chris started crying. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> but she's like, this is the happiest day of my life, and it's like, this how many grandkids like, do you have? Don't you have like five days like this every single year? I like that she she did us a solid by dropping the pregnancy video like while she's still pregnant, not after she gave birth like she did last time. Although I do think it would have been more impactful if she hadn't have released this and just like debuted her bump at the Met Gala. I know. On the steps in some sort of like very slutty Mugler thing where the entire belly is like cut out or Mm. something like that would have been major. Mm. Yeah. It is a weird move. Obviously she announced it ahead of the Met because she will be at the Met. She's currently in New York, but I agree with you. It's like, yeah, we'll just debut the the baby. But was she afraid that people were going to think she was fat and not pregnant if she didn't announce it before? We would have known. Yeah. It's a bump. And then I guess follow up to uh, what we talked about last week with, Scott Disick or Jonas, Eunice's Courtney's ex leaking the DM of Scott slipping into his DMs to be like, yo, what is this chick doing? Uh, And many were quick to point out, like, don't you have a 20 something year old girlfriend who probably is not going to enjoy this? And it looks like Amelia Hamlin, daughter of Harry Hamlin and Lisa Renna. Uh, has dumped Scott's ass, which is the ultimate power move as a 20-year-old is to dump your much older boyfriend. Good for her. It is embarrassing. I would be so fucking upset if I was her. And that's it. Like, I don't think Kim was doing much this week. No. I mean, she has some new fragrances. You saw that she wore uh, another Lenciaga custom piece to Jeff Latham's 50th birthday. Our fave, Jeff, Jeff Latham. Is that where she was going with... Who yeah. is she with? What kid was that? Saint. Saint's so fucking cute. So cute. But when did he get so big? He's so big. Yeah. They grew up so fast. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty major. Do you think Demna designed the wedding dress and was like, here's also this black version? The yeah. wedding dress wasn't custom though, was it? No, that had to be. That was on the show. The, yeah, that was probably the sample. Much longer is Kanye going to control Kim and her fashion choices? Like, I'm a little dis. I feel like we're taking a step back. I don't think that he's controlling her. I think that he's like shown her what having good taste looks like, and he now she her ha- eyes. Yeah, and once your eyes have been opened, it's like your instinct isn't to go back to intermix and buy a lot of like ugly Hervé Leger bandage dresses. You know, I think we've uh, reached the depths of Kardashian hell with this, so it's time to move on. Tatiana, thank you for coming here. I mean, I'm here every day, but I love Yeah, because your studio is Lauren's garage. (laughs) Yes, it is. Glamorous world of... Of a stylist, yes. Uh, But no, this was fun. Thanks, guys. Of course, of course. Happy happy to have you here. Cool. We'll be back next week. 
uh, sans tat, maybe we can bring you into this because we're going to be talking about the Met. Yeah, we're talking about the Met Gala. Yeah, it should be fab. I mean, I hope that the celebs turn out some looks like good looks or bad looks just so we don't just so we have something to talk about. If they dress mediocre, guys, we are fucked. We don't know how to spin that to be funny. Yeah, there just won't be a show if that's the case. So see you in two weeks. No, no. We'll see you guys next week. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.